Hi there, this is Stephen Toulouse, otherwise known as Steptoe. You are listening to Versus the World Radio. Versus the World Productions. Scaring normal people on the internet since 2010. www.vtwproductions.com The following presentation is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Non-Commercial License. For more information on Creative Commons licensing, please visit www.creativecommons.org. Extermination. Warning. Warp core breach a lot sooner than you think. It's time, Snow Snow! Can't we just cuddle? No! It really is a screwdriver and it's Sonic. The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Alpha Geek Fridays, only on VTWProductions.com. For Friday, December the 16th, 2011, this is Alpha Geek Fridays. I am the other Todd, and joining me... Through the miracle of Skype and the intertubes, my man in Canada, Joel Duggan. Good morning, Joel. Good morning, sir. How's it going down in the land of rattlesnakes and boulders? Yeah, indeed. <laughs> we'll fill it. We'll fill you listeners in more on what the heck he was just talking about later in the show. It's actually been surprisingly moist down here lately. But a couple of storm fronts come through and actually um, precipitate, which is if you've ever driven in Arizona. We have a double whammy this time of year because we have what we uh, lovingly refer to as the frickin' snowbirds come down from the colder climes in the north of the country and flee the cold and come down here to the valley and screw up our freeways. Add to that the fact that Arizonans are psychotically incapable of dealing with, oh my God, water falling from the sky... And it gets a little hairy on the roads here when it actually rains. Sounds like snow in Vancouver. Oh my god, what is this white powder? We're all going to die. Well, it's so funny. Like up here, we'll hear about, you know, school cancellations and people unable to get to work because, you know, like a little snow fell in um, 
someplace not, not terribly far south, but you know, a, a pick a state that's not normally receiving snow, and they get a little dusting, and everybody freaks out, and all of us up here in Nova Scotia are just like, "What? They only cancel school if you can't see your knees," you know? Like, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember. I mean, all those weird um, stereotypical stories that you know, like, are in are in TV about grandfathers talking about trudging to school, you know, in three feet of snow, uphill both ways, with freezing cold wind and all that kind of stuff. It's really mm-hmm. true. Uh, I, I I was sent to school, uh, and it was not canceled unless it was impossible for anybody to actually get there. Yeah, growing up in Western New York, I had a very similar experience where. Uh, oh yeah, you guys would have the same kind of weather. Oh hell yeah! Come just uh, the 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 lovely term lake effect snow, where you Canadians would send down your cold dry air and it would pass over Lake Erie and drink up the moisture from the surface <laughs> of the lake and just dump it on us. It was a quite a remarkable occurrence. Uh, and actually, they had what they like to refer to as the blizzard of '77, which oh, yeah. interestingly wasn't really a blizzard the it was a bitterly cold year so lake erie was pretty much frozen very solid and very deeply and a whole bunch of snow fell on the whole area including the lake so they had lots and lots of accumulation on the lake and then a big windstorm came through and it blew all the snow off the surface of the lake into western new york burying us so it was snowing and it was blowing all this snow off the surface of the lake onto us yeah, that was the uh, snow drifts much taller than the snowplow year, which I remember and have photos of myself standing with just the very tippy top of the stop sign poking out of the snow at the crossroads. Like, mm-hmm. This is quite something. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times it's more the um, the visibility issues with blowing snow than, than it is the accumulation. Well, we've had um, storms like that, especially where we're on the coast here in Halifax, where the wind um, coming off the Bay of Funday or, or coming up the coast is just so strong that um, even though there'll be places on the ground where there's no snow, you know, it's been blown clear, um, especially in really cold months like January or February, where the snow is more like crystals as opposed to any kind of uh, heavier, we used to call that packy snow when, when I was six, you know, which is just akin to the best kind of snow to make snowballs out of. Oh, yes. Because you can't make snowballs in February. It's like ice crystal powder. It's like, well, this is useless. What's the point of this? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, those kind of days were you'd you'd find school or work cancellations um, a lot more frequent because it wasn't so much the driving conditions on the road as it was the visibility conditions and um, being unable to see both other cars but other um, pedestrians and you know children crossing streets to try to get to school that kind of thing. Yes, I remember it well and I profoundly don't miss it. At the same time. I'm hopping on the webcam we've got parked up at the Secret Mountain Lair up here in the uh, White Mountains of Arizona and watching the uh, gentle snowfall up there with uh, no small amount of nostalgia and had originally planned to scoot up there this weekend. That's not going to happen because of the next thing I have to tell the listeners about, which is this may be a, a suddenly interrupted episode of Alpha Geek Fridays, uh, for I am home with... Arch Nemesis. Now, if you're not a listener of Casually Hardcore, you don't know who Arch Nemesis is. Uh, Arch Nemesis is my just past one and a half year old daughter, and she is home sick from daycare. She came down with sore throat and rash yesterday, and so at the first sign of anything, daycare says, uh, take her home, get a doctor's note, and even with the doctor's note, 
don't bring her back for at least 24 hours. So she's currently in the next room uh, being babysat by the great electric babysitter, which is also known as Sesame Street. Uh, nice. However, she may summon me at any moment. So, Joel, you, you may be called upon to carry the show while I at least uh, reinstall her on my lap. She is usually quite content to sit on my lap and yank on my microphone cord and allow me to do shows because I've been in this position before. But I wanted to give you all a warning that that might happen and play an appropriate drop-in. Oh, bugger. So, <laughs> nice. yeah, it's... I will it's, simply rely on the chat room should that event happen. I will yes. quickly turn to the tadpole and say, Help me! <laughs> fodder, <laughs> give me something to work with. <laughs> Speaking of, hi, tadpole. Welcome. Good morning, Tadpool. We are here to bring you your dose of Friday nerd, because you know who who likes a, a gaping void in your morning. I know I didn't, so I decided to fill it. Uh, ah, see, I hear the dulcet tones of my daughter calling me right now. So, good news, everyone. I'm gonna go grab myself a little kid, Joel. Okay, carry it. Be right back. Carry it. Be right back. Great. So I. I'm going to pose a question to the, the tadpole right now. How many people are looking forward to a white Christmas? Because here in Halifax, it's like 12 degrees, and it does not look like we're going to get snow for the holidays. And uh, I miss it. And not only does global warming scare the bejesus out of me, but it's also um, something I, I miss the, the nostalgia of having snow on Christmas. You know, I don't want it to be uh, so much snow that people can't drive and see their relatives. I don't want, like, a blizzard, but... It would be nice to just, you know, have some white coating over all the nice trees and stuff. I mean, all of our leaves are down, which is a start, but uh, it just does not feel like the first day of winter is, what, a week away? Joel's like dreaming of a white Christmas. I am indeed. <laughs> I am now populated by one wee arch nemesis. Who is looking at me saying, I know you're talking about me. I just can't talk back yet. My <laughs> time will come. Yeah, my uh, my buddy Peyton, his son is like that too. He doesn't say a whole lot. He's got a few few words that he uses and he's learning more every day, of course. But oh, yes. he uh he's just one of those quiet listen to you and he knows he knows everything you're saying. You know he completely grasps it all and he just he chooses so few words, <laughs> you know. It's a powerful man of few words. Yes, indeed. She's definitely in the soaking it all up mode, and uh, one day I will write a book about this. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sesame Street's a good thing to, to soak in. I mean, I watched Sesame Street all the time when I was a kid, and I turned out all right. Indeed. See? We're, we're, you, barely, we're barely broken at all. Yeah, exactly. Do, do you Now, i, I got a question for you. Do you, um, do you watch uh, or let her watch... Uh, shows like that on regular um, cable networks, or do you watch like Sesame Street on Netflix, where there's no commercials and no interruptions, that kind of thing? Netflix, baby. Yeah, I, that's that's what I would think too. Because I, I when um when I talked to to Peyton about Netflix, because I think he has signed up as well, he couldn't believe the amount of children's programming, even on Canadian Netflix, which is which is notoriously. Um, low on content compared to our American brethren in the South. Um, but uh, there's still a lot of Sesame Street. It's something crazy like 20 seasons, like out of the 50 seasons or however long it's been going. The version I get here has 35 seasons on it. 
just 35 gives wow. you an indicator of just how freaking long they've been producing this. Muppets forever, baby. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, my my older cousins, who are, I believe, 10 years or 8 years ahead of me, they were watching Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's been on at least 40 years. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting to go back and look at the earlier iterations of it and see just how it has transformed and reinvented itself over the years. Um, and, you know, the, the bleeding edge. Let's do multilingual from a very early age in the 60s. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a big deal. See, now for us it was always French, whereas you guys it was uh, Spanish, right? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Or CC, double wee. A little bit of both worlds. You think? Whatever was your yeah. first clue. No, well, yes. I, um, I, well, I remember people in university that were taking Spanish because, I mean, in high school, the secondary language that we all had was, was French. But once um, I was in university, a lot of my friends would be taking Spanish, and they were saying how similar it was in terms of the, the language construction to, to French. Well, they're all romance languages. They all dis- descend from the great mother Latin. Mm, that's right. Go, go ahead and take conversational Latin sometime and then, and then tell me about <laughs> learning how to speak a dead language. Oh, yeah, that's a great investment of time. Jeez, look, my, my university roommate, uh, she has a double major in classics and anthropology, and I'm, there was a lot of Latin in there, and uh, I, I just didn't, I didn't bother to keep up. She kept, whenever she spoke, she sounded like she was talking about the proper Latin names for bugs. <laughs> so I just, I, I will now recite. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's almost like those, those, uh, remember those Animaniac songs? When they were talking about like the countries of the world or the states oh, of the yes. U.S. and their capitals, and it'd be like mm-hmm. this, you know, the typical kind of country song, and they'd just be putting in all these different words, and they would brilliantly line them up so that they rhyme. That's what it would sound like when she would t- speak yep. Latin or, or practice Latin. I would just, yep. I imagine her sitting there talking about crickets and ladybugs and butterflies and moths, and I'm just like, what? Republic Dominican, Cuba, Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, Peru. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yako and Dot. Yeah. Oh, such a good cartoon. Oh yeah, that one. I mean, that that was premiered in my college years and I still watch it because it was they they grasped a lot of what made the original Looney Tunes great and recycled it in fact, yeah oh, my, definitely my brother and I our our standard um, goodbye when we're talking on on the phone is okay love you bye-bye yes yeah yeah uh, I think I think I use like okay gotta go now bye <laughs> and I'll, I'll type that into uh, text messages but I, I'll leave out all the spaces so it's all one word of course. Okay, thanks, bye. Yes. Okay, thanks, bye. Gotta go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah the whole... What was, that? But, was that Buttons and Mindy? No. Yep, Mindy and Buttons. That, that was... That's uh, what it was. Okay, when, yeah. And whenever Mindy would interact with her mother, it was like, Hi, lady. Mom. Call me mom. Okay, lady. <laughs> yes. I know. I remember that now. Right. That's She's like, great. Ah, fine, whatever. Okay, love you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Yeah, those were good cartoons. Uh, oh, yeah. Good Feathers was another really good one, too. You talking to me? Yeah, that one was. Uh, the, I mean, they had you know Pinky and the Brain that went on to spawn its own show, because um, it's Pinky and the freaking Brain. Yeah. Uh, I, I like used to be the, able to uh, do a really good impression of Pinky before my voice changed. <laughs> I'm going to hurt you, Pinky. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good cartoon as well. Hey, God, bright, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really wish that they would do 
more like that. Like there's a few things that are on Netflix now, some animated stuff that I want to check out that I've heard things about that have been on, you know, Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon in the States. And I've heard good things about, but I mean, as an animator, um, working in the field for a few years before I switched to illustration from home, um, I'm, I'm very picky and I get very, it's hard to turn off the, the critic when I'm watching stuff like that. It has to be Indeed. really good. Uh, there's a couple things on Teletoon that I really enjoy, but beyond that, there's not not a whole lot out there that impresses me as far as like Saturday morning classic cartoons. Yeah, they really have gone. I mean, it was maybe just me getting old and bent, but I see all the current offerings taking what in my generation was you know vehicles to just sell toys and accessories, but they've they've taken it to a whole new level of. From concept forward, it's how can we maximize the toy potential of these of these shows? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's it's hard. I think the toys actually came first with stuff like Transformers and uh, all the Hasbro stuff that was was coming out, GI Joe, and then they, oh, they yeah. decided later to make the cartoons about toys as opposed to making the cartoons and the toys at the same time, or even the cartoons first. Right. I think it just. I think they just came around at a time. The action figures and stuff were coming around at a time when television production became feasible as um, as a subsidized way of, of marketing stuff. Like, because uh, having worked in TV, it's just so expensive to make cartoons. Like, just you know, you're you're even with Flash and Toon Boom and some of the software that's out there, you're you're spending weeks animating. You know, ten seconds, thirty seconds of footage, and it takes a big team of people to get the stuff like that done. So it's really expensive. And if you don't have merchandise to subsidize it, it's a losing battle. Well, I mean, it's incredibly labor-intensive, but also you could just go back to the old Hanna-Barbera method, which is basically a static background, and you move the mouth up and down. Yeah, there's a lot of limited animation that happens a lot now, and it's and it can it can work um, if the design is um, meant to accommodate it, and if the style of the humor of the show. Um, best example I can think of is Family Guy. You know, Family Guy is funny because of the writing and because of the personalities and the acting. And snappy timing and simple animation suits that show. Um, whereas if you tried to take the Family Guy style of animation and animate Thundercats like that, it just wouldn't work, right? So, And I mean, looking at the, the reinvention of Thundercats, that one is actually fairly impressive to me. I actually, I've seen the first three or four episodes. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, well done. A lot of, I'm always really impressed technically by a lot of the overseas animation. Um, this, I mean, the kind of animation that I was trained to do and, and, and enjoy is very cartoony. It's very Warner Brothers, uh, Bugs Bunny, Peppy the Pew type stuff. Um, so anybody that can draw um, realistic looking anthropomorphic, you know, comic book style characters and have them do sword fights and flips and somersaults and use a whip and all this kind of crazy cool stuff. I always find it extraordinarily impressive. Um, I like that some of the newer stuff is being um, produced in English so that the, the lip syncs are actually lining up to, to the words as opposed to um, dubbing over what it used to be either Japanese or Mandarin or whatever. Um, yeah. The only issue that I have with the show is that they put some really bad 3D in there. And that's the only thing that kind of takes me out of the hand-drawn experience is that you can tell that this you know, 3D animated mech box thing is just so computer generated and so stiff. And the worst mm -hmm. thing is, like, there's computer shows out there that, or computer animated shows out there that you just, you know that doesn't have to be stiff. So you kind of wonder why they're being so half-ass about it because you watch something like The Clone Wars 
um, the ones the the stylized one from LucasArts and uh, or Lucasfilm rather, and I mean it's beautiful, and they don't look stiff. And well, yeah, I like the, well, I like the the actually I I enjoy the the was it Tartakovsky ones the the traditional cell animation versions better than the later straight CGI ones. Um, right. But I like the fact that they they adopted the stylization from the traditional animation show for Clone Wars. So they at least kept that through line. Um, yes, I agree. It's just... It's part of its uncanny valley, but they're not even trying with Clone Wars. They're going totally stylized, cartoony. We're not trying to be realistic. The The movement is still not there for me. I mean, you look at the fight sequences from the redo of the reboot of Thundercats and it's beautiful the gorgeous flowing easy to tell what's going on and just it's something about the animation in things like Clone Wars still you can you can see the guy manipulating the stick figure and it's yes, still yeah. got that feeling of yeah it's not it's not alive it's it's a thing yeah and i think that some of that's probably the restrictive budget you know, in terms of the the technology and the rendering and stuff that they have to do in order to get the show done on time for television. Yes. Um, the opposite example would be something like The Incredibles, where they have enough stretch and squash and and algorithms and all that kind of stuff in the rigging that allows them to do really cool stuff. But then, of course, you know, you've got four years to make a two hour movie, as opposed to you know trying to put out an entire series inside of eighteen months. Right. There is the that that small constraint yeah. of time that they've got, but also, yeah. I mean. Brad freaking bird doesn't hurt either. No, this is also true. And w- one thing I do like about the way that they approach the Clone Wars with the with the 3G and the CG is that it it allows them to do um, the vehicles and the lasers and the swords and all that kind of stuff, kind of the way that it's meant to look like in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something lost about all that tech when you when you even when it's CG but cell shaded, it just doesn't quite pop for the. I mean, it's a horrible term, but it it, it doesn't quite have that same. Um, selling feature, I guess. It doesn't glow. It's not shiny. <laughs> it actually, it's, it's very shiny in a really high contrast and, and off-putting kind of a way. Yes, yeah. But I digress. Yes. Uh, this brings us handily and uh, circuitously to our first break of the day. Later in the show, in our third half, we will be joined... We hope, if he remembers to sign in, by Mr. Mike Schramm from MikeSchramm.com, podcaster, blogger, and Terpster's friend uh, for a little section of Alpha Geek interview today. And I see that the lovely and talented Loranis has joined us in the IRC. So our IRC rep is now with us. If you have something to bring to our attention during the show, please do not uh, send PMs to the hosts because we'll pretty much ignore you because... Staring into the black void is a bad idea when you're trying to do radio and keep it interesting. But if you have something to bring to our attention, please send a PM to Loranis. He will bring it to our attention via the wonderful tool that is Internet Relay Chat. You are listening to Casually... See, there I go, right in the freaking autopilot mode again. Not li- you're not listening to Casually Hardcore. You're listening to a guy who does Casually Hardcore, but you're actually listening to Alpha Geek Fridays, and I will get this straight one of these weeks. You're listening to Alpha Geek Fridays live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. Come on in and join the forum community. Come to VTW Productions and click on the forums tab at the top of the page. You will be glad that you did because they are, in fact, awesome. We will be back right after this.
versus the world's productions. Nerds on the Internet. What more could you ask for? www.vtwproductions.com This show is brought to you in part by Audible. Audible Audible.com is the leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the Internet. With over 85,000 programs for more than 1,000 content providers, including leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Audible customers can also have their Audible content wirelessly delivered to their smart mobile devices daily, even while sleeping, taking the computer out of the equation. To find out more, visit vtwproductions.com and click on the audible.com advertisement on the left-hand side. Or visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash vtwproductions. New customers in the United States and Canada will receive a free audiobook download when they sign up via that link. audiblepodcast.com forward slash vtwproductions.
Hello, this is John Scalzi, and you're listening to Versus the World Radio. Alpha Geek Fridays continues live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. And this is our Nerds in the News segment, where I want to begin by giving many thanks to our all-volunteer research team who dwell on the forums over at vtwproductions.com. And the name of this week's research thread comes to us from Fangs, and that's Fangs with a Z, because the Z is what makes it cool. And he titled this week's thread, Cook Your Holiday Meals with Sith Lightning Edition. I wonder if he's got Old Republic on the brain or something there. What do you think? Well, I can't even play the game, and I've got Old Republic on the games, or on the brain. On the game? We, on the brain. On both. It's both on the game and on the brain. You um, need to build you a PC. Mm, yes, I need to just magically start making more money so I can just go buy a gaming PC. What is this money of which you speak? Mm, I know. I know. I just, you know, it, apparently I can do drawings and then people will give me this money for the drawings. And then after oh, really? several <laughs> hundred of these drawings, I could afford afford to buy new stuff and things, which is good. It, it, it's, it's nice how that works out. Um, unfortunately, it takes uh, a lot of drawings. So... I'm I'm in the market. I'm 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 looking at doing some commissions and stuff like that in the new year to save up for a new iMac. Well, I mean, let's let's do this properly here. So let me find uh, the appropriate. Where the heck did I put it? I can't find my way around my own drop-in grid. I am definitely getting old and tired. There it is. Now is the time for a shameless plug. Joel, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your work on the internet? Sure, you can uh, check everything that I'm doing right now at starcrossedonline.com. In particular, you can check out the uh, shop and commissions section. Uh, in addition to drawing the comic, I also take requests and do uh, specific things, anything from small little cartoons of yourself to use as an avatar on social media uh, to full-on, you know, 9 by 12 commissions that people may want to hang in their home. Um, I don't have a lot of prints on sale right now, just a comic, but eventually I would like to have some cheaper options for people that want to just have some cool stuff for the fridge. Um, but yeah, you can find it all at StarCrossedOnline.com. Excellent. The show is not complete until there is at least one, and hopefully more, shameless plugs. Now coming to us from the research thread. Let's see, of course, this is when my copy of Chrome grinds to a halt. This comes to us from sunsentinel.com, and the title for this one is likely what got Fangs to include it in the research thread. Chewbacca, involved in West Palm Beach shooting. A West Palm Beach woman told police that Chewbacca was involved in a shooting last week. Chewbacca's alleged partners in crime, two men who were not dressed as Wookiees or Ewoks, were subsequently arrested. The men, both of West Palm Beach, are charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. West Palm Beach police were dispatched to the 1300 block of 11th Street to reports of a shooting on November 30th. They later learned from the woman who witnessed the shooting that a man wearing a Chewbacca mask, along with 19-year-old Jodakai Lamar Window, what an interesting name, Jodakai mm. Lamar Window, and 21-year-old Mario D. Johnson, 
no relation to any Johnsons we may have on this network, had driven up to the home and began firing. Just like in the Star Wars movies, Chewbacca played the role of sidekick in the West Palm Beach shooting while sitting in the front passenger seat of the car. The woman identified Window as the driver and Johnson as the backseat passenger according to a probable cause affidavit. Chewbacca. Yeah. I want to know if he used a bowcaster. Exactly. See, now I know why I do a show with you because you understand what a bowcaster is. Mm. That I do, sir. Yeah. Nerd! Uh, I don't know. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Sure how effective that might be. You know, some some die cast plastic, whatever. <laughs> Pointing out the, the side of it. Yeah, and also just the clunky, the size of the thing, aiming that out of the window of a small vehicle, yeah. not so much. Well, I want to know. I mean, this guy's losing geek cred by the minute for me. Like, I thought, okay, cool. It was somebody that walked into like a 7 Eleven uh, with a, right. a Chewbacca costume on and, and held the place up. But no, it was just some dude wearing a mask in a car. You know, the guy was wearing a t shirt and jeans, you know, right. hanging off, probably like the jeans that hang off his butt. You know, they don't you have want to, they, You want the whole suit. You want full Chewbacca. Yeah. Yeah, I want some seven foot tall guy in a Chewbacca costume with bandolier and everything to walk into a 7 Eleven. That's. You know, like that's the kind of stuff that I think would be a little bit more credible. See, I mean, God, I, if you're going to go Chewbacca, go all the way. Well, uh, I think we've found the title for today's episode here. Full Chewbacca. <laughs> nice. Yes. Almost, but not quite as exciting as the full Monty. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fur. You'd have to like hairy guys to be excited about the full Chewbacca. Um, well, the, I mean, the whole hairy guy thing. Uh, all I have to say on that is ook ook. <laughs> It beats male pattern baldness, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. There is indeed. So, that is indeed yeah. well, it, what we find. Yeah, and I mean, if, it would be really funny if the, if he had some smaller um, accomplices with him and they had uh, Ewok costumes. No, we, we do not speak of them. You don't speak of them? I think, you know, you don't think that Ewok robbing a 7-Eleven would be hilarious? <sighs> Only if you know, they're you, all shot through the head. You know, and they're all speaking in the proper languages from the movies, you know, no one's understanding what Chewbacca wants. <laughs> yeah. Jo, jo, jo. Yep. Oh my yep. god, that's, uh, they use that on the tour edition of the instance, I think. There's like a, a clip or something that they have. Uh, funny stuff. See, I mean, I think all Ewok language is, is someone speaking Pakistan speaking English with a Pakistani accent uh, spun backwards. Because all you can do is talk like that for a little bit, and then you've got the Ewok language. I've <laughs> never even thought about it that way. That's great. They're all oh, from the Indian subcontinent, don't you know? Uh, not at all racist. Not at all racist. They're, they're, not, they're not brown. They're small and furry. That's not Indian at all. Maybe the Hindus, but not too much. I'm going straight to hell for that one. Uh, in a handbasket with Where? rattlesnakes. <laughs> okay, you have to explain the rattlesnake thing now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Pre-show. So pre-show, um, we were just talking about how uh, central heating and being warm in different client, client, uh, climates and all that kind of stuff are happening. And uh, Todd was sharing a story with me about uh, a home that was built in Arizona around um, these boulders in the wintertime. And they just, they didn't move the boulders. They just built around it. But when... The uh, heat from the home, like, started warming up the environment around it. The how many how many rattlesnakes did you say? Twenty something. Twenty seven. Twenty seven rattlesnakes that were hibernating in these boulders basically woke up, <laughs> and were and not were, happy. They were pissed. The homeowners. 
Oh man, can you imagine just kind of walking into your house and and all you just hear these rattles everywhere? <laughs> yeah, it's like walking into Snake Mountain. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um, be careful what you envision, and, and never forget that nature is uh, much more violent and angrier than you are on any given day. Yeah. Did you um? Did you do you know if they found Chewbacca? Did they catch him? It did not uh, indicate that they found Chewbacca. They found the two that could be easily identified. And <laughs> let's see here. An anonymous witness to the incident said that a neighborhood gang is seeking retaliation for a drug ripoff. According to the affidavit, the witness said the gang believes Kyle Roney was responsible for the theft. So apparently Kyle Roney was Chewbacca. Although uh, huh. the woman was able to pick out Window and Johnson from a photo lineup, the affidavit does not elaborate on Chewbacca's possible identity. So huh. it, it retaliation was effective. Will be coming from. Sorry, go ahead. No, I want I want to know who you think the retaliation is coming from. Well, the retaliation is going to be coming from uh, stormtroopers and Darth Vader, obviously. Well, wouldn't it be scout troopers if we're doing the whole uh, Ewok thing? Well, yeah, scout troopers, I guess, stormtroopers. They're just stormtroopers on bikes. Well, yeah, but you know, tell it, tell a Hell's Angel that he's a motorcycle rider and see what kind of a reaction you get. <laughs> yeah, true enough. True enough. Uh, um, they, we're they, big nerds. They, did you did you know that? I do. I do. We're just proud. A, <laughs> live it. We're doing a nerdy Friday morning radio show on the internet. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much more geek than that. I mean, it, it could be worse. And you know, they could be doing like an ET spinoff, and then you're like doing drive-by shootings with a little you know stuffed animal in a basket in the front of your pedal bike. And that's not going to fly either. It's a lot cooler to dress up as a stormtrooper and hold the place up than it would be to dress up as Elliot. Think about what you just said. Because hmm. you said that the kid riding by on a bicycle with the alien in the basket is not going to fly. And it's totally going to fly <laughs> if you've seen that movie. What are you talking about? Ouch. It has been a while since I've seen E.T. Yes, and all the uh, secret agents holding radios and pointing them like guns because they used to freaking be guns, but I'm not bitter about people going back and screwing with their movies. Uh, they need to stop doing that. Spielberg really... at least indicated after the fact that he regretted doing that. Lucas is like, yeah. hell no, what else am I going to change? People just need to start coming up with some original ideas. Yeah, it's, it's now, he's now going to be remembered as George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually got that far. I'm watching, I'm watching the trilogy and I haven't finished it yet. Don't I do it. Save Don't yourself. do it? Just save myself the, the trouble? The whole, I mean, just that scene at the end of Return of the Jedi where you know, Vader is, is reaching his point of redemption and is ready to turn on Palpatine and throw him over the edge was absolutely fine the way it was. You could, you know, despite the fact that it's the guy in the big freaking steel mask, you, it communicated everything it needed to communicate where he was going back and forth. Son, emperor, son, emperor, son, screw it. And hauls off and whacks the emperor. But he felt like he had to add in the no, no to that. And it's like, Really, George? And my I, my favorite phrase regarding Star Wars was born, which is "God damn it, George!" Yeah. Have, do you remember the old um, Adam Sandler bits that he used to do about um, a mom that w wouldn't let their kids do anything? Yes. You know, no, they're all going to laugh at you. Mm -hmm. No, and the kids would be just like, "Hey, mom, I'm going to go to the store." No. <laughs> 
no! They're all going to laugh at you. And just complete freak out. And that's, it's starting to kind of edge on psychotic territory for me. So yeah. There's something to be said about subtle, you know? Subtle, uh, not, not George's uh, strong point. Um, his bad guy is dressed in an enormous black suit with a face-concealing helmet. Um, not subtle. <laughs> this is true. This Maybe. is true. Um, speaking of um, of bikers and uh, and and Star Wars, actually, uh, Peyton sent me a link the other day about uh, biker leathers that are designed to look like stormtrooper armor. Okay, that's made of wind. Yeah, yeah. There's a stormtrooper, X Men, Batman, Daredevil, and then there was a separate thing that he sent me, which was Darth Vader painted to look like Skeletor. But I, that, it's, not, <laughs> it's, not, it's not biker gear. Um, but it's totally Beware the gaseous stench of Skeletor's breakfast burrito. <laughs> yeah, but the the, the stormtrooper um, the stormtrooper uh, bike leathers were very cool. Well, I imagine they would be, and you you would cause accidents from other people just pausing to rubberneck and watch you drive by. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's I mean you think about that and that's completely perfect. That and the if it's the movie the the Brian Singer edition of the X Men leather costumes from the original X Men films, that's I, I mean, would say a, yes. That's a perfect fit for for biking leathers. I mean that's that's a no brainer. Yeah, no, that that's what it was. Yeah, it was, I'm pretty sure it was the same thing. I want to say maybe X-Men 2. Maybe not the first one, but maybe the second one. I think the costume design was, was pretty consistent through those two anyway. They just yeah. added more more sub-costumes. Because it, it looks like they were identifying the different characters just by the little the colored ribbing around them. So they would give Wolverine yellow ribbing around the edges of leather and, and Rogue had green just to, to call out the the spandex costumes that they were absolutely positively never going to do in the movies and thank god they didn't oh my god yeah i agree what would you prefer yellow spandex Uh, no not (laughs) at all the uh well i can imagine that conversation kind of happening the same way that it did in uh x-men uh first class where xavier and um magneto walk in to talk to uh wolverine and he's at a bar awesome (laughs) and he he just tells him to screw off It'd be yeah. a great cameo, but that, there's the conversation that you're having with Hugh Jackman. It's like, so we've got this yellow spandex. We want you to screw off. <laughs> All right, go bleep yourself. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We'll 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 rethink the whole idea. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the difficulties they've had over the years with you know Superman, and trying to remain consistent with that. And you look back at the uh, thankfully never produced Tim Burton film. Um, and the designs that they were coming up with for that, like, holy crap. I don't know if I've ever seen those designs. Uh, if you go over to any of the Gawker sites, so like io9 and stuff, they, they recently have had some of the uh, early designs because it, it didn't get terribly far along in the production process. There's actually one shot of Nick Cage in the Superman Lives very, 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 very early revision Superman costume. Holy crap. I mean, it's like bad rubber. And I mean, Nick Cage is not Superman material. I'm sorry. I don't care how dramatically reimagining the franchise you are. No, Nick Cage is not freaking Superman and should not try to be. And boy, does that picture bear it out. I can imagine. 
Yeah. No, I, you, you can't. Know what? I, think, I, I think thought I, I could imagine, it. and then I saw it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I might just avoid the whole, the whole conundrum. Stay away. There is not Stay enough away. brain bleach in all the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about um, stories like that is that you have to just. There's a certain amount of of flexibility that you have to have, and some things that you have to update to make it better for a modern audience. Like, I mean, like telling an original story from. Um, Superman in in like the fifties and stuff like that might not exactly sell to a wide audience. I mean, there'd be some of us that would appreciate it, but I don't think it would sell to a wide audience these days. So I'm pretty happy with some of the pictures and the clips that I've seen from the upcoming Superman with uh, Henry Cavill, the uh, Man of Steel. That's um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's their reboot, and you're gonna have to carry this for a moment because child going into meltdown mode. Sure. So I will be right back. Well, while we're talking about reboots and reused one of the stories that we wanted to cover was um the fact that james cameron the director of avatar is being sued um i haven't heard a lot about uh the lawsuit outside of the the article that is from uh, yahoo.com but apparently someone had put together a script uh that was very similar to the one um used in avatar where Earth has been going to uh, a populated moon and mining and there's a, a nature-based conflict with the inhabitants and all that kind of stuff. And this guy is saying, that wasn't your idea. That was my idea. I was pitching that to Lightstorm before you began work on Avatar. And, um, I mean, it's not a horribly deep story. There's two sides to every coin. I mean, this guy could be right. This guy could be gold digging because Avatar did so well in the theaters. Um, and on Blu-ray and stuff like that. And uh, the other side of the coin is that I have heard that James Cameron is probably pretty cutthroat and hard to work for. So I can easily see Cameron lifting some script if he had the the opportunity to do it because uh, Avatar is essentially cowboys and Indians in space. If anybody has ever seen uh, uh, Dances with Wolves or even Fern Gully, it's kind of... same movie. Not that I don't like Avatar. I really like Avatar. It's a great film. Um, a lot of fun. But it is by no means an original story. And I find it so funny that somebody is suing uh, the, what was it called? What was it called? Light, Lightstorm, um, James Cameron's uh, company, uh, to say, hey, that's not your original idea that you stole. That's my original idea that I stole from, you know, everything else that's been happening over the last 60 years in uh, Americans versus Native uh, Americans in entertainment. I mean, I'm sure that some of the, the plot points in Avatar are all too familiar to my father who was watching The Lone Ranger on television when he grew up. So, I, I don't know. I, if anybody in the, the chat room wants to pipe in an opinion, I'm more than happy uh, happily repeat it. While What's this we, white man? Waiting for talk. Oh, I just... I went over the, uh, I went over the James Cameron uh, has been sued story because I find it Yeah. That's... Uh, really? I mean, I, I understand this, this guy has perhaps more of a leg to stand on simply because he was in pre-production for a similar sounding movie with Light Squared who then right after they shut down his operation moved on to doing work on Avatar and he claims that hey look at these incredibly uh, parallel through lines here then you probably owe me some money. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was explaining that I, I think that um, it's probably two sides of every story. Like, I can easily see this guy being right and having his, you know, script or an idea being lifted. But at the same time, it's such a recycled idea. Can anyone really say that they're the ones that came up with it? Exactly. I mean, James Cameron can't say that the basic plot points for Avatar were things that he pulled out of thin air. 
No, yeah, that's, that's the, the the noble savage is an old old tradition in storytelling and and, and filmmaking, and mm-hmm. it just got recycled with a science fiction twist, where going native takes on a whole new meaning because you become a native in this world. Yes, but yeah, it's, know, we've, uh, we've got a it's been done. It's been a, done to death. We've got a, a split in the chat room. It looks like there's a lot of people out there that are like, we love Avatar. And then a lot of other people are like, we hate Avatar. Interesting. So, yeah. I didn't I, realize it's, it was such funny, a divisive just, thing. Well, d- despite all my poo-pooing of the um, lack of original plot, I still really like the movie. It didn't make me any less angry when they blew up Home Tree. I was yes. still furious and angry at the the douchebag... Um, military leader guy that was, that was calling the shots. Well, and I was like, he played such a, a chewing up the scenery villain that it was it was difficult not to be entertained by that film. Agreed. Just because it was you know, gloriously over the top in many of the right places. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it was still a, it's still a good movie. And there's, I mean, lots of, of, of uh, original <laughs> nods for the visuals. You know, like the design. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything you know that looks like a Navi or any of the creatures that were on that that planet. I mean, that was some really um, visually stunning stuff. So I, I, it's not all regurgitated, um, but uh, the the plot points were kind of I don't know beyond yeah, has, my. I, I'm still. I mean, I, I don't want to overanalyze it. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. It was fun. I'm kind of curious where they're going to go with these two sequels they're going to film simultaneously. Uh, allegedly, they're going into the oceans of Pandora, which is, I mean, James Cameron has a tremendous love of, of ocean, uh, undersea, and undersea life, so I can see why mm-hmm. he would want to go there. Even a lot of the above-water life in on Pandora was very reminiscent of you know, jellyfish and, and seaborne uh, beautiful critters. So he's yeah, bioluminescent channeling. stuff. Yes, exactly. All right, that brings us handily to our next break. And we have already arriving in Skype, Mr. Mike Schramm, who will be joining us for our final segment. We'll be probing him and seeing what all of his current projects are and talk about being a nerd journalist on the interwebs. You are listening to Alpha Geek Fridays, and yes, I got it right that time, live on Versus the World Radio, vtwproductions.com. If you wish to send us information, please go to Fridays, that's Fridays with an S, at alphageekradio.com with your email client and we want to hear your feedback we want to have us mm, ideas for segments drop-ins all that fun kind of stuff so fridays at alphageekradio.com is the email address to become involved with the show we'll be back right after this Versus the World Productions. Podcasts and blogs by geeks for geeks. www.vtwproductions.com Answer me one question. Is the Federation in the house? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, the clean to the house, hey, ho! Oh, 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 Captain James D. Kirk, Spock is 
of Vulcan, so his actions are illogical and swift. The damn it, Bones is a doctor, not a forklift. Check this out, y'all. Sulu won't back the two. Check up in a her armor senior bridge crew. Don't blame me like a punk, like a triple or a Klingon. Scotty's on the ship so that he can help me beam on. I'm telling all the Romulans and aliens to listen to these soliloquies. What? Now I'm making lots of movies. Search for Spock on the floor. He's stepping, but I can't dance like a Genesis weapon. Back to the TV show. I don't know the reason why a five-year mission only lasted three seasons. Oh, no. For goodness sakes, the rating's high. I'm off. You are. NBC, uh, bye. Can we rock? Come on, come on. What's up, Spock? Can we rock? All the Klingons. What's up, Spock? Can we rock? All the Ferengi. What's up, Spock? Can we rock? Take it one time. What's up, Spock? I got the show back on the air. You are. I did. I did, except this is a newer version for next generation. Kids, I'm on the Sarsha P-N-T-E-R-P-R-I-S-E-O with the number NGC 1701D. It's a hundred years later. It's a thousand-man crew. It's a good thing. My staff knows what to do engage. Wesley Crusher is not older, but he's wiser down an engineer, and Jordy is my technical advisor. I go see Deanna, she's a shrink and a psyche. When it comes to Troy, all the boys they will like, especially my number one. Commander Riker got a beard like a stud and a bot like Formica. Dr. Crusher is a humanitarian, and Klingon Warp says, I am not a merry man. So who is the captain in your neighborhood? I guess that would be me. Can't you see I'm chilling in the Santa Sea? Cause I am Jean-Luc Picard. If you think that I'm looking this, then you're one of the Borkers. I drink my old Dre and it's lemon. Merengue. I'm making more profits than any. Merengue. Chilling on the holodeck, I'm calm and I'm serene. And we're Natasha Yarm heading for the big screen because I'm Deep Space Nine and chilling with Dinan. Making lots of whoopee while my bald head is shining. And I got the world's best android calculated name. Dun -dun 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 Data! His body's bionic, his brain's positronic. Compared to Mr. Data, Albert Einstein's moronic. I'm the big bad Baldy of the whole federation, and I'll rock you from here to Far Point Station. Can we rock? Rastico. What's up, Riker? Can we rock? Hey, Jordan, What's up, Riker? We don't need no water. Let the mother tracker burn. Oh, rip in the wormhole. Uh oh, oh no, relax and you'll be fine here on Deep Space Nine. Now, Bajor is Nero with Colonel Kira, ordering more than the average Bajoran. Quark is too quick, he's slick like Chris. Fortunately, I am Captain Cisco. I got a shape shift named Odo at my side. He'll kick quarks but all over the promenade. Chief <laughs> Miles O'Brien, his expertise lies the ship defiant. An adventure, Dr. Cheer will be in it with an old man, Dex. You know, geez, a drill a minute. I got my son, Jake. He's hanging with Nog, a trippy little troll. Like Kermit the Frog, I got more glass than card as he ends, and I cannot beat the one to go out like Go to Cop. It's Apollo 911, it's Wolf 359, and it's so scary, Rodden Perry, where the Kyle Parker can I rock? So boy, you're just fine with that board babe of mine Known as seven of nine assimilations divine Neelix Cooking up the soup du jour For security Vulcan to Vox Shakur Chakotay helps me to adapt And Edson Harry Kim is always getting kidnapped The pilot Tom Paris is an egotister Went out with both of the Delaney sisters And I'm sure he'll wanna get with Baylana Torres Klingata Trying to reach Nirvana Surgeon and scanning and cavorting If we want to get somewhere then we better start warping Captain Jay was in command at the UVN Stay tuned up next is Platypus Man. Can we rock? What's up, Doctor? Can we rock? What's up, Doctor? Can we rock? What's up, Doctor? Can we rock? I'm the ruler, the master, the universe blaster. I'll take the Enterprise to the edge of disaster. In other words, you better start begging, you humans, because I'm Q from the Q continuum. Forget Sean and Kathy, I'm the man. When it comes to power, I just wave my hand. I turn John Luke Picard into a doggy, and then he will be barking into his Captain Loggy. Forget those other guys, they're not important. Captain Jim and John and Benji Q is omnipotent. Damn, I gotta scram because you win, no Captain, but I will not promise never to appear again. What's up, Q? Can we rock? 
This is Scott Johnson, artist of Extra Life at MyExtraLife.com, and you're listening to Versus the World Radio. Alpha Geek Fridays continues live on Versus the World Productions, VTWProductions.com. As we cruise into our third half of the show, we are joined via Skype by the amazing and incredible Mike Schramm, co-host of... The modestly named Incredible Podcast of Amazing Awesomeness. Yes, it, in, it is indeed Terpster's friend. Mike, yes. welcome to Alpha Geek Fridays. How's it going, everybody? We are still kicking. We are doing our morning show despite God trying to stop us from doing it. Yeah, I'm, I have to apologize. Uh, God also has cursed me with a uh, terrible cold this week, and so that's why my voice is so scratchy. But hopefully... Uh, as you said, I'm intelligible and people will understand what I'm saying, but oh, I, it sounds terrible. I sound like, uh, earlier this week, I sounded like Marty McFly. I was like, Doc, Doc, you, you built the <laughs> Hello, McFly, think McFly, think. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I still think you sound like Barry White. I mean, I think the, you should be yeah, like, hello, yeah. ladies. Well, I'm trying to get to that part of the cold where it is, like, just... You know, all that junk in my throat like makes it real low, and right now it's still a little too scratchy. Little, little Barry White never never creaked his voice out a little bit this way. So, but well, I'm trying do... to get to that point where it is just like, "Hello, ladies." Hey there. We'll do. Uh, we can we can help you with some uh, some something from the drop-in board here. Uh, repeat after this. Yes, I am a god. Yeah, that'll help. I am a god. All right. That was more George Takei than Barry White. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, if you're going to do George Takei, you've got to go straight for the, oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, jeez. Totally oh, no. I think oh, that yeah. hurt it. I think I heard something. <laughs> I'm oh. no doctor, but oh. that sounds painful. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> well, we will let you give your vocal cords a... Rest. I'll stop having you work out by saying strange and weird things from the drop-in pen <laughs> because I'm not that cruel. So you are internet journalist type, uh, podcaster, netcaster, and hang out with that Mark Turpin guy. God only yes. knows why. I mean, how do you put up with him exactly? Um, it's a lot of ignoring. I, I don't listen often. Um, but no, Terps is awesome. He's hilarious, and uh, he's a great guy. He's 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 been on. He actually is a real member of this Frog Pants Network. I just oh, yeah. uh, make fun of Frog Pants. I, I'm not actually on it ever. So it's nice to have a chance to be on it with you guys. You, you do understand that kind of guilt by association. Amazing pod, or incredible podcast of amazing awesomeness um, is effectively at least an adjunct member of uh, Frog Pants Network or Frog Pants. Yeah, we we often get that. Yeah, and actually, I was at Nerdtacular last year, and uh, um, and I I sort of was an add-on, uh, but we try to stay indie. We even though even though we are an incredible podcast, we are amazingly awesome. Um, you know. And again, with the name, we tried to go a little humble with the name. We weren't sure how the podcast would do, so we decided to tone it down just a little bit for the name. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, we try to be more indie than Frog Pants. So Frog Pants is this giant conglomerate of uh, great podcasting, and, and we try to uh, not have anything to do with that. We just make up our own our own crap. So it's fun though. Now, what is your area of focus with the Incredible Podcast? Are you general commentary on nerd culture? What is your you know, preferred thing to do in an episode, or is it yeah. like, as random? Well, as we, we started are? we started out by doing the uh, the Wow Insider show way back in the day, um, and then we uh, I left that site and we decided to keep podcasting anyway. So we started out as a gaming podcast and a Wow podcast, and nowadays it's just wandered into whatever we want to talk about. So. Last week on the show, I think we talked about the VGAs quite a bit. Uh, we talked about this terrible squirrel problem in England. Have you heard about that? No. No. What squirrel like, problem? There, There's a bunch of uh, uh, red squirrels, I guess, in Scotland. Like, that's their 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 uh, normal home place, the red squirrel. They hang out in Scotland all the time. But uh, there's an invasion of gray squirrels that has shown up in Scotland. And they're not sure where the gray squirrels came from. But they think they came from America somehow. But they've invaded and they're starting to kill the red squirrels and like take their food. So we talked about that on the show last week. I thought that was weird. A, a listener emailed in and, and told us all about it. It's it's a crazy story. I don't know how you stop that. You know, I don't know how you select the squirrels that you wanna you wanna succeed. But apparently that's one of the things that we chat about on Tipwatch. So if you're really excited about squirrels. You know, that would be definitely the number one podcast to check out on the internet. Squirrel! That's how I was distracted. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, I'm curious, as how, how did the squirrels get to Scotland from North America? They don't know. I mean, I assume it had to be on a big freighter or something. But, uh, yeah, they're not sure where they came from. But they just assume that it's like a, an American thing that traveled across the country. Huh. I thought it was pretty fascinating. I, I, I would have thought that England would have been where they would, were invading from, you know, because, you know, insert your own joke here. Mm, yeah, yeah. Touchy I'm subject. Not touching that one. But, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, like, I, I didn't, I, apparently I didn't think it was fascinating enough to do any actual research on because I don't know anything about it still, but but I, I did think it was interesting enough to talk about, so that was fun. I just, I just had this image of... A, a pair of gray squirrels stowing away on a freighter between New yeah. York and uh, the UK, and my my brain hurts now. So they're like, someday, son, someday you will kill all the red squirrels, and all this will be yours. <laughs> you you defeat the red squirrel problems. menace. Right. Yeah, that ain't right. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> <laughs> So, Mike, aside from uh, the podcasting and stuff like that, what what do you do as a as a day job? Uh, I work on uh, joystick.com as a writer, and then also the unofficial app weblog.com. So I'm a freelance writer for both of those sites. Um, I do some other freelance writing occasionally and some other side jobs and projects. But, uh, yeah, the majority of my work is, uh, is on uh, the two websites right there. One's about, obviously, joystick is all about Video games and the unofficial Apple weblog is all about Apple stuff, so uh, iPhones, iPods, and uh, Macs, and all the other fun stuff over there. Nice. So on the the Apple unofficial Apple weblog, you think Apple's really going into the TV business, or you think that's bunk? Uh, I think that they are going to. They've already said that they're going to release uh, an Apple TV with apps on it, like with iOS style apps. Um, I don't know when that's going to happen or how it's going to work. 
so I definitely know that they're going to release a box that you hook up to your TV. Right. Um, I will say also that Apple likes doing things vertically. Like they, they like um, integrating vertically, which means, you know, some companies integrate horizontally, which means they have a bunch of different products in different areas. Apple likes owning the entire thing. So they like creating iTunes service that you subscribe to music and movies. They like creating the devices that you watch those music and movies on. And then they like, you know, going all the way down the chain, creating all the cables that you need, like everything that you need. So I think it's logical that they would create an actual TV that you would watch all this stuff on. Um, And I do think that they'll have, like I said, at the very least, a box that runs apps, that runs games, that runs all this stuff on a television. So I think it makes sense. I don't know when they'll do it, but uh, but yeah, I think I think eventually we'll see, you know, you know that we'll still see the Apple TV, where, which you can use with any TV, just like uh, you know they create Mac Minis and Macs that you can use with any monitor. Right. But I also think we'll see an Apple TV with a TV in it, like an iMac, that's an all-in-one, open up the box, plug it in the wall, you're good to go. So and it's the front end and- for all all your Apple services. Right, yeah, right would, for all, all the all the iTunes subscription, all that stuff. So yeah, I would definitely agree because I I just received an early Christmas gift before my father went away for the holidays, and he gave me an Apple Television for Christmas, and I mean, yeah. I hooked it up just to test it out and, and mess around with it, and it's really slick and it's really small. Like I can, I am sure even now, um, inside of my Sony Television somewhere, there's enough free space for this thing to go. You know, like it, it would not take a lot of technological leaping to get this side this thing inside of a television um the the question that i have like do you think that they're gonna have to do a redesign of the hardware or would uh apps on an apple tv be a software update along the lines of like an ios uh update for phones i think it'll be like uh the iphone 4s in that like siri excuse me uh is not available on anything but the iphone 4s Um, (laughs) excuse me so uh, I do think that it, it will be a hardware update, but I can tell you that um, I've been to a conference where a guy was showing off iOS running on the Apple TV. So it's possible to run it on the current hardware, but I don't think that Apple will will go with that option. Like I, I think that they will do it like the 4S. Like you can run Siri on an iPad too. It should work. Um, but they've only allowed it on the iPhone 4S because they want people to do the upgrade. So yeah. I, I think they will require it on the on, on new hardware. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if it might be possible, but the usability experience might be just a little bit too slow for what they're looking, you know, for a consumer experience right. to be. I think, I think that's the reason that they'll use, and it's probably true. Like, again, Siri, you could take me run it on, on like, a, an earlier iPhone. It just wouldn't run as well because it's got to be a little faster. Um, but I, I really think that, you know, that may be their reason given. But just like the iPhone 4S, they just want people to buy a new a new yeah. device. So, well, yeah, because yeah. my iPad 2 is absolutely identical hardware to the 4S with right. a faster processor. I mean, it's a full gigahertz instead of downclocked to 800 megahertz. Right. And for business reasons, they basically said, now we're keeping it on the 4S for yeah. now until we sell and our it, allotment right. of 4Ss. It may eventually show up on the iPad 2, but, um, but for their, their reason given was, well... It requires a faster processor, and that's what the iPhone doesn't have, and blah, blah, blah. And then everybody was like, well, like you just said, my iPad has it. And they're like, um, what's that over there? And then they ran yeah, away. Yeah, shiny thing, shiny thing. Look over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, and their, their iMacs, you know, the 27-inch iMac 
damn close to a television anyway. I mean, that's bigger than the TV that I had for years before mm -hmm. I bought my new Sony. I mean, I, I only had like a 20-inch television, and that was an old Samsung uh, yeah. CRT tube. You know? uh, Loranus in the chat channel wants to say that Apple makes products that people replace on a year or two-year cycle, and people don't replace TVs that often, which is yep. true, except uh, Apple's made cinema displays for years. And IMAX as well have a much longer life cycle. Just because it doesn't have a short life cycle doesn't mean that Apple won't make it. And like I said, I think that they'll definitely still have that box that you can just plug into any TV, just like they have Macs that you can plug into any monitor. Um, but I also think that for the full solution, they'll have a, a, a full TV that you can get. And don't think that Apple won't advertise the hell out of the fact that it's an Apple product. Like they'll say, well... You could get a TV, or you could get a TV that's crystal clear that we've designed to be perfect, uh, a TV that's designed, you know, like no other television out there. You know, they'll, they'll advertise the hell out of the fact that it's an Apple TV, not just any TV. Not um, to mention the, the little tweaks that, I mean, even I experienced last night. I mean, I was messing around with the Apple TV, and, I mean, the first point of conflict, the remote sucks. It's a wonderful device, uh, yeah. the, the actual Apple TV, but the remote is, is, is horrible. And the whole thing doesn't have a, a, a local volume control. You have to reach for your television remote to turn down the TV. Yeah. Um, however, as soon as I, you know, queued up my remote app on my iPhone and started controlling the Apple TV with my iPhone as opposed to the, the native remote that came with it. Immediate, immediate change to the user experience. So yeah. you take that, combine that with an Apple TV, like a full set that's got the Apple TV and, and apps uh, in it, with somebody that has an iPad on their lap on their couch, which is probably there when they're watching television anyway. Right. Um, and then you've got this little thing on the side where you can switch to the app, change the change the the channel on the TV, or or pause the show, or do whatever, tweet out little things. I mean, it would be it would be a much deeper experience that you probably wouldn't be able to get with a Sony or you know a Samsung or whatever other uh, television that you have. I mean, it'd be just one more thing, and it seems like a small thing on paper until you're actually sitting there and doing it. Yeah. You know. And that's, and, that's and, what I find is, is well, such a And that's just problem. stuff that exists right now. Like right now you can use your iPhone to control your Apple TV. And all, well, or, you know, you can use it to control various items like that. Imagine an app that like works with NBC shows so that your iPad actually not only works as an Apple remote, but it works, you know, in conjunction with whatever you're watching as a second screen, gives you information about on-screen programming, like actually mm -hmm. is built to work with it. That type of stuff is the kind of stuff they can show off at a demo people will be like, oh, I can't get this with any other TV, you know, that it's going to be a full Apple product if they ever come up with it. So, yeah, I mean, I, don't know. Could, I mean, we'll see, but you can see partnerships with something like imdb.com, right? I mean, the, the credits for the Big Bang Theory start on the television and at the same time, your iPad buzzes at you because it knows that you're watching the show and it brings up the list of episodes from the season and all the actors that are in it and a little bit of background and stuff that you can watch, you know, during during the the credits or, right. or or whatever. I mean, granted, that that show has a short credit. Or even while that. you're watching while you're watching one show, use your iPad to program the DVR in your TV to record other shows. Mm. You could you can find that show on iTunes. You can be watching Big Bang Theory and then hit a button and go straight to iTunes to find more episodes of Big Bang Theory. There's all kinds of tie-ins that Apple can come up with uh, to make money for everybody. So it'll yeah. be and, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. And AirPlay is awesome. Yeah, I tried well, that out last night yeah. too. That was fun. And that's that's already working. Like uh, Apple TV on its own, like you can already uh, send iPod, iPad apps up to the Apple TV, 
and and play those on a big screen TV. So that's already yeah. happening right now. The, yeah, can uh, you do that with an iPhone? You can do that sure. with iPhone games, can't you? Uh, you know, I don't have an Apple do TV, video. so I don't know offhand. Oh. But. You can do it with video. I know that much. I tried that last night. No, the uh, iPhone, iPod Touch, and iPad can all drive uh, AirPlay. Nice. Yeah, AirPlay, and, and that's one of the things you consider with Apple TV is the the replacement cycle would not need to be nearly as as rapid because to a large extent all it would need to be is a front end for an ever changing assortment of iOS devices. So as long as it can be a receptacle for AirPlay or whatever the modern equivalent of AirPlay is and you can drive the content through the big television screen from your brand new iPad 5, then the fact that your TV is three years old is irrelevant because the actual work is being done on the device that you are replacing every couple of years. So it, yeah. that, mm-hmm. that business model could totally work. We'll see. Again, nothing's official at Apple until you see it on stage um, at a presentation, but uh, but it definitely seems like there's a lot of potential there for, for them to, to jump on. Yeah, yeah I'm having no, a hard a time... Of- Go ahead, Joel. I was just going to say a lot of the stuff that um, I see with regards to Apple rumors and stuff like that, there seems to be that that slowdown on the Mac Pro, the iMac, and the things that don't have quite a, a fastest cycle. And I, th- I mean, for me, I would say that the best I can gather, um, the technology is leaping forward mobily so much faster. Whereas, I mean, TVs are getting thinner, but aside from the 3D gimmick that started happening, there's really not a whole lot of innovation. I mean, like going from... Uh, projection TVs and tube TVs to flat screen was a huge jump. I mean, and everybody kind of uh, jumped on board that once it was um, something that was affordable. Um, but with uh, iMacs and stuff like that, they don't. There's not a whole lot happening to make you know the new edition of an iMac that comes out. I don't know what this cycle is. Something like it's a little under a year. It's like 270 days or something on average. But mm-hmm. it, it there's not a huge difference. I mean, Thunderbolt was very cool, but iMacs still look very much like they did a few years ago. Uh, the processors get faster, the hard drives get a little bit faster, but there's no, there's no giant um, technological leap forward. Well, the, the computer industry in general is its own worst enemy in that respect because really when you look at it, for the seething mass of humanity, and I'm, when I say that I mean not us, the r- regular people who are not power gamers, who are not dialed into technology, they made computers that were good enough for the rest of the world years ago. I mean, a even single-core 3 gigahertz Pentium 4 running a 32-bit operating system with 3 gigs of RAM and mm-hmm. a reasonably moderately sized hard drive is good enough to do everything you need to do to participate in social networking, email, music, video... Netflix, where they, they don't, they're having trouble coming up with the killer app on the desktop computer or laptop computer to make us want to buy a quad-core machine, put a 64-bit OS, and drop 16 gigs of RAM into it, Yeah, unless you're a gamer, of course. That's a whole other story. Well, but for the average user, I, not so much. I agree with you, except that, and this is the really crazy thing about Apple, for all of their movement on the mobile front, like for all of their movement on the mobile devices, which they have a ton of it, obviously, they're, they call themselves a mobile device company. Or, um, uh, yeah, no, they call themselves a mobile device company now. For all their movement on that front, Mac sales are the highest they've ever been. Like, that's the really crazy thing about Apple. Like, Macs are still selling more than they ever have before. 
And I think computers in general are are not doing, you know, uh, um, well, I don't know. I, the, whenever they have a conference call, like they do say, well, the iPhone's doing great, the iPad's doing great, the iPods are, are still out there and selling, but they still say Macs are higher than they've ever been. And that's part just the fact that people are starting to pick up on Macs finally. But it's also, and it's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that uh, that that PCs in general are doing awesome, but but um, uh, as a, as market share as totals, Macs are still selling really great. So I think uh, part of that was probably can be summed up in one word, which is malware. Um, people are tired of dealing with all the crapware that easily infiltrates even the most modern copies of Windows, and they just yeah. want a freaking computer that just works. And Apple has finally really penetrated the, the psyche of the consumer base uh, as, well, come over here and you won't have to deal with that crap anymore. And your, since everything you want to do on this is on the Internet and the Internet experience is absolutely platform agnostic and looks and feels the same on every single machine, why not come on over and try an iMac yeah. and never have to worry about antivirus again? It's very appealing to it, a lot of people. Yeah, some of it's learning, too. Like, they people... They never use a Mac, or they thought Apple was for creative, weird people, and then they tried an iPhone or an iPad, and they were like, "Oh, I get it. Like, I get that this is a better experience." And they decided to to go with Mac. Some of that's that, and then some of that's just, you know, Apple's cool because they, you know, introduce all this cool stuff and and do all that thing. I don't know. I'm not a huge expert on on why it's doing so well, but I will say that, like I said, every time they do a conference call about their earnings, they they say, "Oh, yeah, record." Mac sales again, and that's something that that you know even they aren't even acknowledging a lot. They're still saying, well, you know, mobile is really where it's at. These these uh, devices are, are really what we're what we're targeting right now. So yeah, well, creative, I mean, that's the way. Sorry, go ahead. I was say creative weird people. Joel, you use a Mac, don't you? Oh yeah. Uh, well, and I I've, I was PC for the better part of my professional career up until about two and a half years ago, and I picked up a 13 inch uh, aluminum unibody uh, MacBook Pro. Um, because they and I wanted one for a while, but they finally came out with the 13 inch, which brought it into my price range. Like before, I was looking at the 15, and they were like $2,500, and I just like I couldn't I couldn't do it just financially, even though I wanted one. It wasn't something that was actually feasible. And then the uh, the 13 inch came out at um, at the time I think it was 14 or $1,500. They've gone down now. I mean, I think they start at 1250 or 1249. Um, and Apple does such a good job with providing. Um, that gateway entry point, you know, like if you are looking for a desktop, but you're not really sure you can get into a Mac mini for 600 bucks. You know, if you want a laptop, but you don't necessarily need a MacBook Pro, MacBook Air starts at $1,000. You know, like if you're not, if you don't need a lot of uh, guts, like, I mean, I'm, I'm a professional artist, so I, I do need some performance out of my machine. But the MacBook Pro as a laptop does everything for me. I can hook it up to a 24-inch monitor and it'll still do, still do its thing. I can then fold it up and take it to the cafe with me. I can take it to meetings. And it just it's the it's the one machine that'll do everything. I mean, I understand that I'm, I'm an anonym, uh, anomaly because of the graphic work that I need to be doing. But um, I think about people um, like other, other entrepreneurs and business people that I, I deal with, my clients, and they like their um, MacBooks and their their Airs because it's just a, a simple device that'll get done absolutely everything they need to do and they don't have to think about it. Fun stuff. And I'm, I'm more of a Mac fanboy with each passing day just because they keep assimilating me into their... And really, if, if Old Republic 
didn't require a PC, I would be looking seriously at a. That's exactly what I was going to say. I I still have a PC that I keep sort of up to date. Just keep pulling out new parts and putting new parts in, specifically for gaming. Um, Mac gaming has come a long way. Steam is available on the Mac, and all that stuff is available on the Mac. But uh, and OnLive makes you know make is a is a game changer for Mac gaming. Like really blows blows uh, blows a lot of the separation out of the water. But there's still the there's still the occasional game that I have to have a PC around for, and Old Republic is one of those, which I uh, started playing the the live servers last night. Been playing the beta for about uh, two weeks now, just on and off whenever it's been available. I don't I don't know exactly when it's been on and off, but I've definitely been checking it out. It's fun, man. You guys haven't played it yet. I don't have a PC, so I can't. It's been the oh, bane of go. many conversations. Is that I, I? It's one of those things where you you can see time and time again. I understand that Apple does not have a huge market share, but they're consistently selling more and more and more. And yet, yeah. gaming companies don't put out Mac clients, and you know that the Macs can run the right. the, the game. It's not. I, I mean, it's I not going to run perfect, think, but I definitely think that's a mistake on EA's part and Bioware's part. Although, you know, I mean, they're targeting World of Warcraft, obviously, and yes. World of Warcraft came out day one on the Mac. The thing is, too, and I've heard this before, being you know, on the unofficial weblog, game developers don't usually go to the Mac because they say, "Well, the share's not there." Blah blah blah. But here's the thing: Mac users are techies they're vocal they're on the internet all the time they're talking to people all the time they're doing podcasts like this mac users are some of the users you want to have playing your games and running your apps so it's kind of crazy that companies haven't figured this out yet that if you if they put um star wars day one on the mac all the mac community would go you know this game's great and it runs on a mac and they would just get that many more players so it's kind of a mistake. yeah I, I was it I was very solid. disappointed that that, that uh, it was not coming out on the Mac, and I was I was very spoiled by the the Blizzard's really great support for the Mac, and I just assumed that everyone else would be following suit, and then was reminded, no, actually, most of the other companies give the Mac the finger when it comes to yeah, support, or they'll bad. they'll port it later and badly. Yeah. Well, and that's the that's the thing. Like, I mean, I I felt kind of left out with World of Warcraft because I was late coming to the game. Um, it did work on the Mac. I did. I started playing it on, on my old laptop before I, I got the MacBook Pro. Um, played it more when I got the MacBook Pro because, of course, it played it, it. It ran the game so much better than my old Compaq from like seven years ago. Um, but the um, the experience that I, I feel like I'm missing is like once again, there's this huge, you know, MMO experience and this community that I could be a part of from the beginning. But I just don't have the money to go out and buy a, a PC specifically for one game and it just it's it creates a huge barrier for anybody that's in my shoes that you know would really love to play star wars and you know would be more than happy to, to shell out all kinds of money for it um but i would be willing to pay the money for the game i don't really want to go buy a new system just to play it yeah yep therein lies the rub all right, we need to wrap this up to make room for the recording and live broadcast of The Instance, which is coming up next here with Scott Johnson, Dills, and that Terpster guy, like, I guess. You, He's a good dude. Yeah, Listen, keep... I, know, I know a lot of people don't like Terpster that much. I know he's not super popular. A lot of people don't think he's funny. A lot of people think he's kind of dumb. I know, guys. I know, okay? I know that you, you don't really like him. But give him a chance. Give him a chance because I think, uh, you know, I have tons and tons of fans and, and Terpster could use some of my fans. So, so give him a chance. Give him a chance. 
Well, he may or may not be next week's guest on Alpha Geek Friday. So oh, I guess well, there you we'll, go. we'll give there him a shot because we're feeling generous. There you go. Now is the special time when we like our guests to plug whatever they've got going on. So let me play the appropriate intro here. Now is the time for a shameless plug. Mike, tell us where we can find you on the interwebs to follow you we, in your various projects. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Schramm, which is M-I-K-E-S-C-H-R-A-M-M. Thanks, everybody, in the chat channel for all the kind words. I appreciate that. Um, you can also follow me at MikeSchramm.com. You can follow me on the Incredible Podcast at IncrediblePodcast.com. My work every day is on joystick.com and tuaw.com. And I am thrilled to announce that uh, uh, I have my ebook that I've been working on. It is content complete, it's all finally done. Um, I'm waiting on one more thing, which is some quotes from some really famous uh, celebrity type people to uh, give me some praise quotes that I can put in there and kind of show off what they think of it. Um, but as soon as those praise quotes are in, I'll be ready to sell. So you'll be able to buy a sh uh, an ebook. It's a bunch of short stories and essays and things that I wrote. It's called The Shape of Teeth. It'll be available on my website, which is MikeShram.com. I'm going to say before the end of the year, so within the next week or so, um, I will have that up and running. So stay tuned. And you can, you'll can you hear about it on my Twitter if you follow me on Twitter. But uh, yeah, there will be an ebook. I think it's going to be $7.00. And then uh, there'll be a deluxe edition for $10, which will have an extra story in it and uh, uh, an audiobook recording of some of my favorite stories from the book. When my voice heals up, it'll be all <laughs> clear and it won't be, it won't be this messy. But uh, uh, yeah, so that'll be out very soon. And it's, it's an ebook. You'll be able to put it on your iPad, your Kindle, whatever you got. Um, it'll be awesome. So stay tuned for that. I'm really excited about it. Finally getting it out. I've been working on it for like a year now, so... Congratulations on there that. There you go. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's that's not great. yet, but soon, soon. It's funny. When you said and, I was expecting you to say an autographed picture of Terpster included in the in the download. Well, Terpster did bless this book with a foreword. He wrote a foreword for it. And and let me tell you, Terpster, I'm a writer. Like, I love writing. Terpster is a podcaster, not really a writer. So I had to uh, – it was pulling teeth to get this foreword out of him. So, uh, But I think you guys will really like it. It's a, it's, it's a fun thing. Um, it, I know. It was, it's a lot of fun to to read after he wrote it. So so if nothing else, you can buy it and and read the forward by the Terpster, and then just throw the thing away. You don't need to read the rest of it. But yeah, uh, but it should be Pull, fun. Pulling teeth for the shape of teeth. Yeah, yeah, for the shape of teeth exactly. My book, sure. <laughs> well, Mike, thank you for taking time out of your day to join us. It was wonderful having you on. Look forward to having you on again in the future when you've got more yeah, stuff thanks. to pimp out. For we are shameless. Right. Sure. Joel, what is your parting shot from the exotic northern land of Canada? Well, uh, one of the things that I've been really enjoying lately is a new podcast that me and my friends are doing called The Citadel Cafe. And you can find that at thecitadelcafe.com. It is uh, akin to this kind of show where me and two of my best friends just talk about the geeky stuff that we find online and find entertaining. And we hope that you find it entertaining too. So drop us a line and let us know what you think. It's all over at thecitadelcafe.com. Most excellent. Please come visit us on the web, www.vtwproductions.com. Click on the Shows tab at the top of the page. You will find this show and its companion show, Alpha Geek Interviews, under the Alpha Geek heading. You'll find my other show, Casually Hardcore, listed there as well. We broadcast that live on Sundays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 
And we do much the same of what we just did now. We have live IRC interaction. We take uh, actually live calls from Skype on that show. So if you want to participate directly with a live show, check us out on Sundays, Casually Hardcore. We do a two-hour show every week, and I will happily, shamelessly plug that every single week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Alpha Geek Fridays. We'll be back next week, same bat time, same bat channel. For now, stay tuned for The Instance coming up next on Frog Pants and the Versus the World live stream. We are out of here. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass.